What's up, guys? It's your host, Lopez, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into this episode today. If you're on Facebook and want to show some support with a like on the page, you can find it by going to facebook.com slash Behind Closed Doors Podcast or just searching Behind Closed Doors Podcast. You can also find it on Twitter at The BCD Podcast and on Instagram at The Behind Closed Doors Podcast. Last but not least, follow the podcast on Spotify by searching Behind Closed Doors in the podcast section to see all the amazing upcoming interviews I have to come. Every Sunday, I post a picture of a band with a hint of who my next guest is. Then on Tuesday, I post a brief clip from our video interview with a good highlight of our conversation we had. And lastly, post the new episode up on Spotify every Thursday morning. Now, on to the episode. Rico, how are you, buddy? Man, good. Just a little bit sore. Uh, got out the shower, put some CBD on, and ate a couple of gummies, so body feeling a little good. better. Yeah. <laughs> Where you at? Are you back at home in Hobart? Oh, no, I'm uh, back uh, out here in Milwaukee. So where are you from originally? Are you from Milwaukee? or? I'm from uh, Hobart. From Hobart? Are you living in Milwaukee now, then? Yeah, so we moved out here. When did we move out here? We moved out here... Uh, Monday. Oh, Monday. okay. So this is just a fresh move then. Yeah, yes, sir. What made you guys want to move over towards Milwaukee? I mean, we figured instead of, you know, commuting back and forth and then, you know, training at Rupert Sport, you know, let me get in the contract with Showtime. It would, it would just probably be better just to move out here instead of, you know, driving back and forth from Indiana to Milwaukee each day. So it's easy. And then we live five minutes from the gym. So it works out perfectly. Yeah. Versus what? It's like four or five hour drive from Hobart. Yeah, so it, it, I mean, all me from Hobart to Milwaukee is two hours, but you know, going back and forth is you know four or five hour drive every day. Yeah, just, you know, just to go there, then go back, go there, go back, and you know, that's to speak of gas, you know, in the snow, it just wasn't, it wasn't worth it. So I'm just like, we just gotta move out here. <laughs> How's it going with snow over that way? Are you guys getting more snow than you get over here? Oh yeah, it's way worse for snow. It's way colder. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Do you uh? What did you usually do, like, when you were living in Hobart? I see it on your profile picture a couple months ago, I want to say. Maybe it was a little longer than that. But you were doing some type of sparring at the beach over there behind the lighthouse. Yeah. So, like, not even, like, yeah, before, like, COVID and stuff going, like, on the weekends, like, say if I didn't have a tournament or uh, I wasn't fighting and stuff like that, like, you know, obviously, you know, I compete a lot in jiu-jitsu or – MMA fights when I can, or even get together with some guys, you know, they used to fight or train, and we get together, just do whatever type of workouts, whether it's on the beach, or, you know, even in a garage, as long as we just get in some type of grind, and just that strong work ethic, just to keep going and keep pushing. How often did you hang around in Michigan City? That's where I'm originally from. Uh, During, like, 
during this whole last summer, we was at, I want to say we was in Michigan City like every other day. We would yeah. go there and eat at, um, what's that restaurant called? We would go to the Lighthouse Restaurant and um, it's like a bar slash restaurant. I can't think of the name. It's right by the beach. Uh, That's by the beach. Oh, are you talking about? Babies. Uh, babies. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Favorite spot to go to, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty cool spot to look out, especially in the summertime, you know, when it's nice and warm out and the lights are on at night and people oh, are just yeah. chilling, having a good time, and you just see the beach from there. It's pretty cool, man. You can walk down to the beach from there, too, if you want. And... Yeah, it's real perfect, especially, like, the, the like if you sit at the highest part on, like, this, uh, the roof. Man, it's such a beautiful view. Yeah, the rooftop. Yeah, it kind of gives you a good vibe of, like, what it must feel like to live in California and be able to, you know, <laughs> venture around there, but... It ain't no salt water, and it's a different, lot different atmosphere, you know. Yeah. What uh? What about when you were over in Hobart? What like where at in Hobart did you live at? Uh, I stayed um, I stayed right by uh elementary school. It's uh Ridgewood Elementary, so okay. it was like, it was like the bo- it was like borderline Gary, but we were considered like on the outskirts of uh, Hobart, so I stayed right there. Is that where you went to high school and everything at? Yeah, I went to high school and stuff there. I didn't go to, like, middle school and stuff there. Like, I didn't move to Hobart till, uh 2012 because before then I was homeschooled. Then we were staying in Maryville. But it wasn't to the end. That that's when I moved to Hobart. Then, you know, went to school there, graduated high school from there and uh, stuff. Were you, out, were you out in Hobart and Maryville around the time when all those riots were going on and they were, like, breaking into the jewelry store over there by the uh, – what was it? The South – yeah, the South Lake Mall. And they, like, looted everything out of that – jewelry store like they dude ended up closing this business down from what i seen yeah you talk about was that like during like the, the protests and riots yeah yep yep i was there during that time it was crazy wasn't it i seen all, yeah. all those pictures and videos of people just going crazy over there yeah and, and it's kind of like sad because you know like a lot of times you think protests are going to be peaceful then you have people that take advantage of it and do other stuff and it just makes it just kind of like a negative thing that's what happened over there in Michigan City. I'm not sure if you've seen, but they like spray painted on the road and shit over there at uh, the Lighthouse Mall. And they were uh, yeah. breaking the liquor stores and stuff around town over there, like on the boulevard. I was actually, uh, it was one night I was coming back from Michigan City and I actually got caught in the riot. So like it was a lot of cops, it was like a, a lot of cars blocked in. We couldn't move. And like all you see, <laughs> like they had broken to the, light, the, like, the Lighthouse Mall and to several stores. So you see all the cops like, lined up around the mall and everybody just like screaming in the protest throwing rocks at buildings and bricks and stuff it, it was super crazy to yeah i just like geez i just want to go home right. like I, we, didn't, we didn't end up leaving until like 11 o'clock because everything like everybody cars was blocked in and protest you know was getting all crazy and wild so yeah that's my brother was over that way too he was over by uh uh i want to say he was over by the big smoke tower over there by the skate park and whatnot and he was making his way over there to see what was going on, and he couldn't get in or out, man, because, like you said, they had everybody blocked in, and, you know, they didn't want to take no chances and crazy. Yeah. Um, so you so you, you like to train, fight, duel, do all that good stuff. What sparked you to want to do that originally? Yeah, so, I mean, growing up as a kid, my mom would always have, like, me and my sister, you know, who was always, like, into sports, you know. she My mom was really, despite my mom never being big into sports herself, she always wanted us to be, you know, whether it was academically or like, you know, being active as an athlete, she was one of us to be doing something, never to, you know, be in the house, moping around, playing video games or whatnot. Right. So, you know, eventually I would do several sports, you know, like any other kid, whether it was basketball, football, soccer and whatnot. But really, it didn't start peaking my interest. So I started uh, wrestling in middle school 
And then when I started wrestling in high school, I got more interested in, you know, MMA, Jiu-Jitsu and stuff like that. So my freshman year going into my sophomore year, I found the gym in Holbert, Maxim Gym, where I would train out for like the next several years. And that's why I would do like Jiu-Jitsu. Then eventually I got into kickboxing and then MMA and stuff with them. And it was, you know, such a great time during that time we had got into it. So when you were in high school, uh, say that there was a couple of people that were like, man, we're going to go fuck this kid up or we're going to get in a big old fight with this with this group of kids over here or whatnot, or, you know, this, this school is coming into town and we think they're going to try to get rowdy with us. Were you the go-to person where they're like, yo, we need you on our side, Rico? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was always the go-to person. It was like me and then like two of the kids who trained at the same gym I went to. So everybody was like, oh, these guys can bang this and that. So like anytime there was like, <laughs> Whether it was like a school versus another school where kids wanted to like meet up during like lunch or after school, they would always hit us like, yo, Rico, I need you to have my bag or yo, so <laughs> right. like, can you be there just in case I get jumped? And we were just like, ah, yeah. Right, right. Have you ever had to do anything kind of out of the norm that you, you know, you're just like, oh, ain't nothing gonna happen. I'll be there. But, you know, did anything ever happen? There, there was nothing that, nothing like never really happened. Like nobody ever got jumped. Like it was like a one on one thing. We just kind of like, stay hidden in the back just in case like somebody else will pop up but like right, right. <laughs> you know there was never like a time where we had to like jump in or like do anything we just always kind of just laid back and just waiting but we just got uh we got really fortunate <laughs> was there any ever times where say something didn't go right at training or um or at like a competition or something and you're you you kind of thought about uh giving up or like second guessing what you were doing yeah, so there was a period in, like, I want to say from, like, 2017 to 2018, like, I, w- I wasn't training as much as I was, and I was kind of, like, at the time, I was, like, I just thought I was really better than everybody, but I was relying a lot on talent, so, like, there was, I went on, like, a, like, I think a four or five, six fight, like, lo- I mean, just, like, uh, losing streak and just, like, my matches for, like, uh, jiu-jitsu. And, like, I like I would get there, I would go against the top guy, you know, I will lose by points, and I always end up taking, like, second place. And that went on for, like, six, you know, matches in a row, and I'm just like, what am I doing? You know, like, I, I'm like, better than these guys, I got this talent, but I'm just relying on talent. And I wasn't, like, training as much as I should, so I went back, talked to my coach, I'm like, listen, like, I need help, I need to be better mentally, physically. He's like, listen, you just got to show up and train, listen, and not be ignorant. And I was like, you're right. And then once I started doing that, I had, like, the rest of the year, I went undefeated, didn't lose. Next year, same thing. One or two losses, then I just got my mind. I just got my mind right. That's awesome, man. Um, what's the gym you said that you go to now versus what you were at? Uh, so the gym I go to now, so it's uh, Rufus Sport. Uh, it's located in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the gym I used to go to before I moved is uh, Maxim Gym, and that's located in uh, Hobart. And they're both pretty good gyms, uh, gyms in comparison? Yeah, so like, you know, both are great gyms and stuff like that. You know, Rufus Sport just has this bigger space and they have like a lot more like world-class athletes and pro guys and a lot of uh, people that come in and out from like, you know, different countries and things like that. Now talking more about like the the big names like UFC and the rivalries that are going on and, you know, just the current bouts that are going to be coming up here within the next couple months. What's your, what's your um take on all those like rival rivalries? Like, with uh, McGregor and say like, you know, the ongoing thing with uh, Nurmagomedov or with Poirier, you know, there's a part three that they're going to be talking about, or even the guy you've been 
you know, having some work with Ben Askren and that fuck uh, Jake Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy shit, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, robberies, you know, they sell money and people, you know, they're interested to tune in, you know, because, like, at the end of the day, people want to look at something that interests them. And so, like, you know, you see a match with Ben Paul, you know, Ben Askren, Jake Paul, you see Conor McGregor, Khabib, or Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, and Nate Diaz. People are tuned in. And they're so intrigued as what happened, you know, especially leading up to the build up and during the fight, they're just so anticipated on what's gonna happen. So people will tune in for that and that, you know, that that at the end of the day makes you money. What do you think? What was your uh expectations for Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor part two? And what did you think after the fact? I, I was I was, you know, in my mind I was like Connor's gonna win this, you know, like Connor looked good against Cowboy Cerrone. Exactly. I'm, I'm like I'm like he, he, you know, he beat Dustin Poirier the first time. I'm like, mentally, he already has that edge because he's been in there. I'm like, and then you look back a couple of years ago, lost to Floyd, lost to Khabib, but then look like the GOAT against Eddie Alvarez. So I'm like, in my mind, I'm just like, it depends on what Conor McGregor shows up. And so when he showed up doing that, you know, when he wasn't as fluent, he's kind of stiff, wasn't a little start trying to do more of a boxing stance. And then you start seeing him eat the leg kicks. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm about to lose all my money on DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> and, like, it, it just went downhill from there. As soon as, as soon as the guys had the second round and I seen McGregor against Fist Stumble, I was like, yep, 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 this is it. That's the second. My wife and I were watching it. And the second I seen him up against the fucking cage and I seen uh, Poirier just leaned into him and you can just see that aggression in his eyes. I knew that it was, you know, it was it. And then, like you said, going back to the leg kicks, you know that that took a toll on him because I mean, after the fact when he do the when he did the post fight conference, he was taken out on crutches. So, yeah, definitely fucked him up right there, man. Started tearing up a little bit. I was like, damn. Like if I was expecting McGregor to lose, it was you know to be about you know decision or submission, but right. didn't knock out like the way he did. I was like, <laughs> my heart. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I said the same thing. I immediately had to call my brother, and I'm just like, dude. What do you like? What just fucking happened? And he was just as shocked as I was. Just like, well, that's what happens when people, you know, they go in there like, oh, I'm just gonna have to show up, and that's about it. You know, I'm not gonna have to really put any effort in. Yeah, it's kind of what it looked like. You know, like he just kind of had, to, like he felt like he just had to show up and, you know, just be there. Yeah, I felt like McGregor just didn't like he had the wrong approach coming into that fight. So, what, what in your opinion, do you think would be the biggest fight for UFC for this year? Um. I would say if they do make it, I'll probably say probably Israel Adesanya and John Jones. If that if that fight was to take place, that's probably the biggest fight they can make at the moment. I know a lot of people have a lot of speculation, and they're dying to see Jorge Masvidal versus McGregor. What do you think that would be like? Uh, I feel like stylistically, that match kind of plays in favor of Connor, but like Connor is undersized to be one seventy. I mean, right. he fought Donald Cerrone at one seventy. And they did, but those guys are naturally 155. So how does he do against a true welterweight and, you know, Jorge Masvidal? Right. So, it, it, I mean, I feel like that, a fight like that can go either way. But I yeah. feel like if, if McGregor takes the right approach, he could beat Jorge. And what about the most recent fight with, uh, it was um, Usman and, uh, I can't even remember the dude's name. Gilbert Burns. Dude, that was crazy. He fucking he hit him so hard, his head bounced off the fucking floor. It was nuts. That, that was a good fight. Like Gilbert rocked him in the first. I thought he was gonna like finish him. You know what I mean? But I think, like I think he got a little bit overexcited. And then Kamaru Usman, you know, do what he does. He's able to recompose, 
you know, finish off a round, and then second or third round, Gilbert was like gas because he spent so much energy, you know, trying to finish him in that first round. You know, Kamar Usman just kind of just took over after that. So for you, what's your hopes and dreams for your career as of now? Yeah, so my hopes and dreams is to, you know, I make my pro debut August 14th, so they're still currently my coach and manager looking for me an opponent. So my goal is just to be, you know, the greatest fighter I can be, go down as a champion, and hopefully, you know, people remember my name from days to come and go down as the GOAT, man. That's it. <laughs> trying to get into the UFC, trying to get into just some, you know, just uh, like everybody's going to start out, you know, and everybody's going to make their uh, debut and everything, you know, that'd be pretty cool to – see a Hobart name on the street beats. You know, they, they got Eddie Wineland out there from the port, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Um, let's talk about your little uh, encounters with street beefs that you did. Um, okay. What was it like for you to get over there and, uh, like, you know, fighting all whatnot? Yeah, so over there, you know, at first, like, the very first time I went back in May, because it was a little bit right after COVID started. So I'm like, man, there's no fights going on. Nobody's hosting shows. All the tournaments are canceled. I'm like, then I seen Street Beast. So I watched it before back in high school, you know, a couple of years prior. But, like, I was just like, oh, this is really cool. This is fun, you know. But I never seen myself doing it up until COVID. I'm just like, oh, I'll just go out there, you know, win or lose. I'm just going to see what's about how it goes. So the first time I go out there is literally in uh, Chris Wilmore, which is Scarface, the guy who runs it, his backyard. So I was just like, okay, you know, this is – different fighting in the dirt you know this is kind of like a natural element for me i wasn't too like you know shook shook by so i fought him one i was like okay bet and then he invited me back he was like yo we hosting a tournament for the featherweight belt he's like would you be interested in competing and i like what i saw this and i was like yeah for sure went down there fought again one then i kept getting invites back and then they just kept like you know helping us out with us for like the trip you know the gas the hotel and then it just kept getting like, each time we went, it kept getting bigger and bigger each time we went. And each time I would bring, like, a friend who was a fighter and they would fight and they would, they would you know, get to expose the social media out there. And then eventually, you know, it just took over. And then, you know, people started liking us, started getting the name more out there. Followers on Instagram started going up, same on YouTube and Facebook. And then it just kind of, like, took over. And then now that, you know, me and uh, Emmanuel Mendon were the first who, like, wants to go pro from Street Beast now, like, that kind of opens up uh, – more opportunities and even make Street Beats like a little bit bigger essentially. So yeah. I was like really happy, you know, just going there. Was there any talk about the whole Mighty Mouse uh, feud that's going on between him and Scarface, the UFL? <laughs> yeah, so during that time when I was going over there, they really kind of just kept it like hush. Didn't really talk about it too much besides like his charges and him being like, you know, a, a sex offender and things like that. Yeah. But their uh beef wise they never really like talked about it just tried to like i guess just kind of like ignore it you know and not let it like get to them essentially yeah that i see that a lot too like i see a lot of people uh over on the ufl with mighty mouse they're uh um i guess you would say kind of being you know just douchebags about it you know like calling street beefs out on any little thing and i don't really see much about chris Wilmore posting you know trying to like fire back or even like start anything. So he's like, I guess in a way being the bigger man and uh, just, you know, not letting it get to him. Cause he's got a lot, you know, he's, he's definitely made a fucking uh, a kingdom out of what he's got going on. And he doesn't really want to crash that down just because somebody wants to have a history fit. Exactly. So yeah, big shout out to him, man. So for anyone that's listening, 
and hasn't heard or seen street beefs, how does it work for you to even like get a fight and what determines who you fight? Yeah. So, you know, get a fight and stuff like that. Uh, you have to be in a Facebook group. You answer a few questions. Then you're in a group. They approve you. So every month or so, usually like the first or second Saturday of the month, uh, they do a sign up post. Right. So they sign up on there and everybody, you know, they always say, what's your name, your fight name, your weight, height, your record experience and stuff like that. So when you get there, they weigh you in kind of like just what they would do for like a sanctioned fight. They ask you your experience and then they try to match you up with somebody, you know, similar within that um, experience and weight class and things like that. And then, you know, you just slug it out and fight and then they um, they put your name on paper and they like you sign waivers and stuff when you get there. And um, they kind of they, they do like a little fight card. So like they get all the fighters names who are there, write them down and then they just kind of just put them in order. Like who's to fight this, you know, time, this and this, when you're uh, up, you know, et cetera. Now, with the fights that you've done with there, I'm sure you've watched them before, you know, after the fact. How many comments have you seen, if at all, that were negative, talking, you know, bad about your performance or anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of comments. There's people, like, either, you know, just dissing me or saying, like, oh, I'll get, like, trash in the pros or that wouldn't work for me or saying they, they would, like, want to fight me. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys. <laughs> yeah, I've seen so, so, just so many comments like that, but you know, I've seen more positive comments and feedbacks than I have seen negative comments. What's your reaction to the negative comments? Just kind of blow them off and just say, you know, whatever, fuck you, dickhead, you know? Yeah, usually I either I don't respond or I'll, or I'll like, I'll just put the crying faces like, okay. Right, right, yeah, go cry. Yeah, but <laughs> I just think it's funny to me because, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you're behind a keyboard. Yeah, the internet gangsters are the ones that ain't going down there to really, you know, if they, if they really want to talk, you know some trash or whatever and they want to you know bicker about your performance then they can easily join that group and sign up and then they could uh coach you you know exactly i mean those, those same people you know they see you in person they've been talking they literally probably just walk past you and like not say nothing as if they never said anything to you to begin with right or they'd be you know the typical dude i i see you on street babes and they're not going to say who they really are I'm like dude i fucking loved your videos man you guys you exactly dude. you know what i mean <laughs> It's so funny. Yeah. It's so funny how it works like that. Being an internet gangster. <laughs> what about so when you when you first started fighting versus now? Is there much of a difference of like the adrenaline that you get, or like what? How do you feel? I guess just to say, how did you feel when you first started fighting before, and like during the first few seconds of a fight versus now? Like, is there much of a drastic difference with like, like I said, like your your anxiety or like your, you know, your your stamina, your adrenaline, and all that good stuff. Yeah, so, like, when I first started fighting, I will always be, like, really tense and nervous, and I'll be, like, and I would, uh, I would kind of overthink a lot when I would first, when I first started start fighting compared to now. Like, as far as, like, adrenaline, cardio, it always just kind of stayed the same, like, in a, a pace, but, like, now I'm more calm and relaxed. I'm starting to get, like, that tunnel vision where I can see more beforehand. Like, my fight IQ was never that high. I would just kind of just go with the flow but now like I, when i fight now i always have like a direct plan on what i'm gonna do and if that plan doesn't work i know i get b c and d to fall back on as beforehand i would just, before then i just kind of would just kind of like go on the fly right, you know so I, I, yeah so now with that experience between when i first started fighting and now it's just a uh, tremendous like the the fighter that i am now will probably like beat the shit out of like the old fighter i was back like a couple of years ago 
Now, with your, like we were talking about just a little bit ago, with your most recent signing with, uh, you said Showtime, what, yeah. what was that, what's all that about and how did that come about? Yeah, so, um, so the first, my, my the first person to be signed was uh, my friend Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel Pugh, Men Not More. So originally he went down there to do the tryouts and I wouldn't want to win them, but during that time I was, you know, I had a fight with Shreebee. So he went down there to try it out. A couple of weeks later, he made the team. He was part of the Showtime group. Now, me, I didn't have that same luxury because I couldn't go down there. and uh, I couldn't go down there for the sign-up. So uh, during the time, I had went to Rufus Sport. Like, I just literally, I think, like a month ago, like after my last fight with Beach, went down there and trained. And then uh, just training how I normally trained, rolling how I normally rolled. Wasn't doing nothing fancy, anything, nothing of it. And uh, I get a call. We go to IHOP afterwards just to eat after practice, and I get a call. And it was from uh, Scott Jopey, which is Anthony Pettis' manager. And he was like, yo, we want to offer you a pro contract. We're going to send you over the details. What do you think about it? So and so. And I was just like kind of ecstatic because I wasn't expecting it. Right. It was kind of like out of the blue, you know. And then I, I remember like a lot of people, he was posting. I think Anthony Pettis posted something like looking for fighters, trying to build a team. And I remember like a lot of people just tagging me on Instagram like, yo, check out this kid, check out this kid. And I guess I don't know if I got lucky or or maybe he checked me out, but his people called me and, uh, you know, I signed it. And then now, you know, with the sponsorship, you know, we get to go down there, train full time. Uh, our training is covered. Um, trying to think training is covered. You know, they take care of our social media. With the, with the management team, they also look for our fights so we don't have to look for, you know, fights and things like that. And they kind of try to help us get into what it's like the contender series, UFC, Bellator, they'll help manage uh, our career and then make sure we get the most amount of money and, and like good fights and things like that to uh, get us going. So what were you doing for a career before you, or job-wise, before you started with this whole Showtime stuff and, you know, before this really started to pick up? Yeah, so uh, at the time, I was working as a coach at the UFC gym in Maryville. So I was oh, teaching, okay, sweet, yeah. Yeah, so I was teaching jiu-jitsu over there, you know, the boxing class, the boxing classes and the kickboxing classes over there and stuff. <coughs> I always wonder, does friends, the hookah alums, does that ever linger over to the gym there? I don't think so. Not really. Not too many I, people. Like, I know that place gets crazy. Like on the weekends, especially, you know, like a night, like tonight, I'm sure it's probably packed. And dude, you can't even, it seems like you fucking had like 10 fog machines going in there. It just, just gets so overwhelmingly, you know, it's almost too much to even go in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you, I only been in there like once or twice. <laughs> with you training with great people like Ben Askren and everything, what you, looking back when you first started, um, and if you were to tell yourself, you know, you're gonna get a contract with Showtime, and you're gonna be training with people like Ben Askren, what do you think you'd say to yourself? I think back then, if I told myself now, like, hey, this is where you're gonna be, I probably would have been like, yeah, okay, you know, like, not that I didn't believe it, but it's just like, eh, you know, if it happens, it happens, you know like that type of like attitude towards it. But now that I'm actually doing it, it's really, you know, like I still get a little bit fanboyish and starstruck when I see guys like, you know, what it's like Macy Barr, Tyron Woolley, you know, Pettis, Hapeel Stouts and guys like that. But at the end of the day, I got to remember the normal people, they literally started off high, started, you know, broke, poor, come from nothing. And now look at them guys are like world champions, top five, top 10 contenders, making a ton of money. So I know when I'm training with those guys and I'm, you know, getting beat up or keeping up with them, I know that vision is still the same. And I know I'm going to be there one day and then achieve that same sort of greatness. So it makes me very 
uh, hungry, motivated, and just just ready to be there and achieve all that. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I was going to say it, it's probably surreal yeah. to you, you know, to be able to see, like, for example, with Ben Askren, you know, seeing him on uh, TV with UFC fights and watching press with him and everything to actually yeah. being in arm's reach of him and seeing him, like, right there, you're just probably like, holy cow, like, this is crazy, you know? Yeah. I remember the first time when he, because, like, I think it was, like, this first month, yeah, my first week at Ruby Sport, I seen him walk in. Cause uh, he came like like the classes like the pro classes from twelve to two during the during the uh, week like uh, and then uh it was after that like, his class gone he came at like two thirty three when everybody was gone but I stuck around like a little bit after just to hit uh pads and stuff then I seen him walking in with his cameraman and Coach Kush and Duke and he was just like hitting pads and like I look at my girlfriend I'm just like is that Ben Askren <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. so like the first like the first couple of days I would see him come in I, I wouldn't like say nothing didn't ask for a picture it wasn't until like the fourth day I'm just like. I sat down, talked to him, you know, got some knowledge from him. You know, he's able to talk to us for a couple of minutes. And I was like, all right, can I get a picture? So we finally got, got a picture. He's got to talk to him about, like, Jake Paul a little bit and then watch him, like, spar and do some, you know, some power work and stuff like that. So it was like, really cool. What else did he have to say about Jake Paul? Uh, You know, obviously, you know, he's a YouTube guy. He's a supposedly boxer. I mean, the guy, you know, I, I can't deny that he puts in work. Right. But, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, he, you know, he puts some work, he trains, he's not out there slacking, he's not, he's not like half ass in, but I feel like going against Ben Askren, you know, a guy who has experience, he's been there, I mean, Ben's not known for his boxing, but I feel like when they do box him and Jake Paul, Ben is going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and I think it's funny that he says he's going to be, you know, a no-match contender for Nate Diaz and then McGregor, I just don't ever see that happening with him, you know, I'm not just saying that, you know, because... Like you say, he's a YouTuber, and I, you know, don't get me wrong, he does put in some good work and uh, whatnot. But I feel like he got a little too confident and cocky fighting an NBA player his last fight, and uh, exactly, you know what I mean. Like it's uh, just like fighting somebody that is uh, that you play on FIFA or whatever. You know, you only give them a short amount of time to get into this whole game, and of course, you're you're probably gonna have the upper hand. But exactly. yeah, man, that's that's crazy with training with Ben Askren and all that, and. Um, so when, when you first started with the fights and whatnot, what's the, or just any, any time in general, what's the craziest thing that's happened at a fight that either happened in one of your competitions or fights or something that you saw? Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, nothing super crazy happened in none of my fights besides like getting like kicked and eating the balls a couple of times, but like, um, I'm trying to think. I, in a jiu-jitsu competition just a few weeks back, I think it was in Wisconsin, Dells, Ohio, I was roughing a jiu-jitsu tournament, and, like, a guy goes for a triangle, right? And the guy picks him up in the air. So in a BJJ competition, you can't slam them. You know, you have to put them back down because you can't slam them in the guard. So the guy literally has a triangle, right, picks him up. He walks over to the table where, it's, you know, they're keeping a scorekeeper at it and stuff like that. Guy walks over to this table, slams him through the table, and then he starts arguing with the ref, like, the ref, like, you hear the ref is a girl. She she yells, like, several times, stop, 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 stop. And then guy slams him through the table in a triangle. And he was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't hear you, you know, trying to argue with the ref and stuff. That was probably, like, the crazy thing. I think. Like, why would you do that? And, like, the TV was, like, all picked up and broken. That is fucked. So what ended up happening with that? Did they disqualify this dude? Yeah, the, the guy ended up getting disqualified. And then the dude that got slammed, he just, he was just kind of, like, 
got up like nothing happened. He was like, yeah, yeah, but I was like, what? Like your back just went landed on the flat screen. How are you fine? Right. Holy cow. So for you, what are you currently preparing or training for right now? Yeah, so right now I'm just currently just, you know, doing all the classes, doing all the MMA, pretty much just kind of getting uh, getting adjusted to, like, Duke Rufus's, like Duke Rufus's, like, routine and, like, regimen as far as, like, how to train with the kickboxing and the grappling, things like that, and just getting prepared. Like, even though my debut is August 14, I'm still in the gym every day just priming, preparing, getting used to everything. So that's the only thing I'm preparing for right now. And then I'm doing jiu-jitsu classes just to get ready for competitions that are coming up we got one coming up uh march 26th i think it's in chicago then one in uh wisconsin dells and that's uh april 6th i believe when when you're not training how many days i should say how many days do you take like for off days or do you not take any off days uh really i just take like saturday and sunday off but you know monday through friday i'm training you know about like four or five hours a day What's it typically like for you when you're not training? What do you typically find yourself doing? So really, like, me and my girlfriend, uh, we just kind of, like, out on the weekends, we just kind of, like, chill, watch some TV. We might, we might go out and we like to explore a lot as far as, like, you know, taking uh, taking adventures, like, around town, different cities, and we like to go out to different places to eat a lot. We like to try new foods. So, like, we try to take, like, a few days a week to go try like a different restaurant we've never been to, try the booze and stuff like that. So we just kind of like exploring a lot. I'm looking at our mutual friends right now on Facebook. Do you, does the name Jenny Fennel ring a bell to you? Yeah. That's Jenny my cousin. Fennel, I, I, actually, I actually train with her uh, about because she goes to choke you and then I rock a lot of her matches as well. That's my cousin. That's crazy. It's a small world, man. <laughs> I guess. And Luis Mendez. Yep, I lo- love his kids. Yeah, I, um, back when I first started jujitsu, like uh, Lewis would like come to all my matches, and I would just hear him yelling, and then I would go to all his kids' matches and watch them compete. Him and his two little boys. So yeah, they're good all They're great people. And you know, let's see. I'm looking here right now. Moses Lopez and David Longoria. Yeah, David Longoria, the tattoo artist out of Crown Point. Yeah, as a kid, I grew up. Grew up uh, doing jiu-jitsu with him when I was first starting out. And, uh, Moses, I see, I, I seen him like ever so often. Now, how about Nico from Michigan City? Nico Joseph, he rides BMX. He was in the army for a while. I think I, I want Nico Joseph. I think I went to school to him. Is no Nico Joseph? Uh, I, I can't remember his last name. But I don't know. It's not Joseph. Is it uh, Spagnola? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Nico Spagnola. Yeah, I went to school with him. Yeah, I think think he graduated a year before me, a year or two before me, I believe. Yeah, man, Lewis's kids. That's that's a topic I wanted to talk to you about. They, uh, I know that they train and they do competitions or whatnot. So I'm sure you've seen some of his kids. uh, Yeah, yeah. What do you think about that? That's pretty cool, ain't it? Yeah, his kids are his kids are savages. Like like what? Like even if I haven't seen like some of the matches, like I missed maybe here and there, but. Like, he always posted videos and tagged me, and, like, his kids be tearing up the scene, man. His kids are good, especially, like, his uh his oldest boy is really good, Louis, like, Louis Jr. He's, yeah, Louis Jr., yeah. What'd you? So, yeah. is that around the time time frame that you started out, too, or did he kind of get a good age jump on you? Uh, I, I didn't start training jiu-jitsu until I was, like, 16 and a half. Dang, so yeah, he's, so yeah, he's definitely got his, some – Yeah, his come kids up coming. got some time. <laughs> <laughs> 
So real quick before we kind of hop out of here, man, what is something that you you would say to somebody if they want to follow in your footsteps, but they feel like they're too nervous to do it, or they feel like they wouldn't be good enough to do it? Yeah, so for sure, like when I when it comes to things like that, I always tell people, you know, I know this is like a new step for you. This is probably something you never do. Most people grow up to being athletes. Some people don't, you know, have never been an athlete. Some people have never done sports, never got punched in the face, never got pushed down or taken down. So obviously, you know, those are, it's like baby steps. You know, you got to crawl before you can walk. So essentially every day you're crawling, you're eventually learning how to walk. So in those things, you know, you can never, you know, truly be too nervous or too scared. You know, these things are normal. They're happening. So as they're happening, you know, you take these skills. A lot of people think when you do martial arts, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, you know, the skills you learn, you only learn them on the mat or cage or octagon. But the life lessons, the values you take with you, you know, those are skills, those assets, you know, you, you take with them for, you know, for the rest of your days. There's always something you can learn, whether it's like the hard work you put in, the dedication, the weight cut, the mindset, the discipline, the physical, the mental, the emotion. These are all things that come with any type of martial art you get into. So, you know, definitely check it out. This might might be something you like. Whether you want to be a competitor, hybridist, you're just doing it just to lose weight. It's definitely something to check out. I say at least once in a lifetime because you you never know what you can get out of it or how beneficial it could be towards you so definitely at least try to check it out once i think the biggest thing that gets people in my opinion is the fear that comes into play they don't want to get hit they're afraid that yeah you know that they're going to really get hurt or um it can even be vice versa they're scared to hit somebody else they're scared that they're really going to do damage and uh, i think like i said yeah man i think fear is the biggest obviously the biggest thing that gets into people's heads in you know like when the bell rings that's when your adrenaline is just fucking going off the roof you know and when you see your opponent walk towards you because i used to do boxing in the port over there by pine lake for a little bit and uh it's just whenever you hear that bell go and you see that opponent walk to you that adrenaline kicks in whether it's a positive adrenaline or that negative fear adrenaline you know that's definitely overwhelming especially for a first fight yeah so what for you what was your if you remember your first fight, what was it like for you, you know, for getting over any of the big, like, um, the setbacks or the, you know, the conflicts that you came into play? Yeah, so I remember my first fight. I was I was really nervous. I was in the background. Like, I forgot, like, I, I had my mouthpiece. I forgot my cup. So I had to, like, borrow. I had to, like, borrow another fighter's cup. I was just really, like, nervous in the back. There was a little bit of doubt in my mind, like, what if this doesn't go my way? This is my first fight. Like, I want to be one and oh. And then uh, I remember walking out. They Like, I, I walked out first. So I remember walking out, hearing my music, waiting until, like, the, like, the beat dropped, walked out. And then I just remember hugging, like, my coaches, my friends, you know, that all walked out with me. I just remember my coach saying, this is what you work for, all right? This is what you wanted. Let's go out there and get it. And once he told me that, I got in the cage. I just started smiling. My confidence just boosted through the roof, and I was ready to go. And then that first fight, you know, first round was back and forth. Second round, it's a little back and forth, but I end up, I end up uh, taking the guy down. Then eventually, start grounding, pounding. He gave up his back, and then I was able to get the rear naked choke in the second round of my first fight. And I just remember just being ecstatic. He jumped in the cage, and just like I was just super happy. And it, it's definitely a game changer for sure. Like just the little things help out, man. Like having those coaches walk out with you, and you know, being able to you know, kind of come back to earth, you know, because it's definitely takes you to a different place when you, you know, when you're competing and 
uh, having that comfort zone, you know, with them being like, we're watching you. you we know you can do this. You know, that just the, just those little things really make a fucking world of difference. And it's crazy. It really is. Yeah. So, I, dude, I appreciate you taking time to talk with me today. This dude, very humble, very powerful. I've seen your videos. Can't wait to see what you've got coming up with Showtime. you got a lot of effort and a lot of uh, time put in with the training, and I'm very stoked for you and your career, man. Thank you so much, man. I truly appreciate it. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be a part of your podcast. Not a problem, brother. We'll stay in touch, man. Yes, sir. You have a good one. You too, Rico.